Hello and you're very welcome to this, a podcast all about the Irish League. My name is Peter Cinnamon and we might be only a few weeks into the season, but we have our very first managerial casualty after only one win in seven games and a couple of months where it's been up and down. Glenavon finally pulled the trigger and parted ways with their long-serving boss, Gary Hamilton. He took the Mournview men from relegation flirting regulars to giving the Belfast big boys a run for their money season on season. So, we ask, what kind of legacy does he leave in Lurgan and what should Glenavon do in order to reverse this recent slow decline? We attempt to answer some of those questions alongside having a sift through a weekend of Irish League fixtures all on this week's edition of Kicking Match. Never a dull moment in Irish Leakville, is it? Always something about there that I'm able to jam-pack this podcast with every seven days or so. And in a week like this, it's actually pretty easy for me to pick out exactly who I need to turn to to cover what is probably the biggest story of the season so far in the Morinview breakup. So let's get right into it. Uh, it is an absolute delight. To welcome back somebody who knows the situation around Lurgan and Mournview better than pretty much anybody else. So sit yourself down, kick your boots off as I say hello to the editor of the New York Reporter and Bambridge Chronicle. It's Michael Scott. Hello. How are you? I'm okay, Peter. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> it's been a long way. <laughs> I am absolutely delighted to have you back. It's not in the nicest of circumstances but uh when the news broke last week i was straight on to you because you were the main man that i wanted to chat to to cover it all and we'll get right down to it and the news that broke pretty much as i was putting together my podcast last week and i thought oh i'm gonna be a wee bit behind it but we can now breathe and we can reflect on everything that's went down because last monday news started to filter out that after almost 12 years in the job, Gary Hamilton was going to be relieved of his duties as Glenavon manager. It took a few days for it to be made official, but it eventually was. His game against Duncanon Swifts was his final one in the hot seat. To reflect on his time in that post, he took over back in December 2011, can you believe? And what some people I think younger fans in particular forget that he was just a complete unknown quantity as a manager. This was an incredibly talented player whose days at the top end of performing on the pitch people felt were perhaps waning. And he is and was a huge personality, a Marmite personality some might say. And there he was being drafted in 2011, no experience to help save his boyhood club from relegation. And boy, did he do more in that. In his span as manager, you've probably heard all these stats over the past few days. Over 4,000 days in the job. He won 244 out of 541 games that were played. The highlights are clearly the two Irish Cups and the four, I couldn't believe it was that many, four top three finishes. His impact on Glenavon was nothing short of revolution when it comes to where the club was and where the club eventually went to. But as the league has marched towards the current era of full-time teams, Glenavon's time as a club, right at the top table, has slowly drifted away. And now after a number of years 
trying and ultimately failing to return to the top six. Gary Hamilton's time steering the Mournview ship is over. There's plenty of things to cover, plenty of things to reflect on. But to take yourself back five, seven days ago, Michael was a surprise when it was confirmed that Gary was going to lose his job. I think given the murmurings that have been going on, it wasn't that much of a shock. I suppose given, that, again, there have been murmurings right from the middle of last season, going on the 10-game losing streak that we did. I think at that time, there was a lot of talk that Gary could be out of a job. But then, of course, we turned around and won 10 on the bounce, which I thought, well, that's all right. Gary's here for a bit longer. Thank goodness. And then somebody remarked to me, I'm not going to say who, if he loses his first three games of next season, he could be out of a job again. And that sort of surprised me. Of course, you see the first three fixtures come out and we have Glenthorne, Cliftonville, Linfield, I think were the first three we had. And I think, well, cheaper shape would go. I think this season Gary was on a heighten to nothing. It was coming. I don't think he had a clean slate. I think he's been dealt a very tough hand over the last few months, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Probably not a surprise, but still a shock whenever it was announced. It just was like one of those <gasps> moments, you know, whenever it finally happened. And I, I believe it was a very sad day for the football club. I fear that in months down the line, we will look back at this and go, have we made the right decision? But sad day, a very sad day. It is the end of an era. Yo, very almost, so. almost 12 years in charge is a significant chunk of any club's history, particularly in modern history. And as I reflect upon where Glenavon had been existing in almost the decade prior to him coming involved, as I reflected on as well there, recent times, full-time clubs has changed the way the league is, the landscape of the league. Is it more than just Glenavon aren't where they used to be? Is there more than just results on the pitch here potentially contributed to them not being in the role anymore? If you look at where we are now as a football club, I think there has to be a degree of realism about that. You read out the stats earlier on. We had, was it four third place finishes in a row? Something, something along those lines, four out of five or something like that there. Then we see the money coming into the league, your Ali Purge coming in, your Kenny Bruce's, and all of a sudden, Glenavon. You, you, you also look as well at Jeffenville and Crusaders and their hybrid models and how they have worked. We have stood still. Money for players that have been sold, you look at your Mark Sykes's, you look at the likes of even James Singleton and Reese Marshall being sold to the Glens, Joel Cooper left. You could list, you could probably actually name a team of players who have left Glenavon who, if you had had them on the pitch, they'd be title contenders. And we we haven't replaced them. The big, the, the most recent example of that, obviously, is Fitzpatrick, who has gone for in around 100,000, we're led to believe. We don't know the exact figure. You know, how much of that money has been reinvested in the team? Very little, if any. So you have to look at it from that point of view as well. I, I do think that Gary, over the last few seasons, has been playing with a ham hype trends back. He, he hasn't been able to attract the players that he would have been able to because the money's just not being made available to him. Now, the board will tell you that money was available to Gary to go out and sign players, but how much we're we talking here? 10 grand, 20 grand, 50 grand, 100 grand? We don't know. So you look at the players we have in the pitch at the minute, or the squad we have, and no disrespect to the squad, it's a good squad. Gary has still got, or had built a good squad for this season. 
But we were having the same players from the Mid-Ulster League to try and fill in gaps where key players had left. So has he been helped in his bid to try and crack the top six? I don't believe he has. I think there's questions that have to be asked there too. This sport's a game of expectations and externally when people have looked at Glenavon at the start of the season, year on year, it's always been about, go, oh, can they crack the top six or can they get seventh and then go on a run to try and get European qualification? That expectation looks to have started to get lower now as the seasons have went on. Results haven't been great. But what, what do you think the expectations were on Gary? Was there frustrations that he wasn't nipping at the heels of the top six? Is that what the expectation was, do you feel? Well, the gap had widened between sixth place and seventh place. I mean, last year's league table will show you that. But you look as well at the teams who are in the top six. You know, you have Linfield, Glentorn and Larne with the money available to them. You have Coleraine and Crusaders and Cliftonville as well, who have obviously gone hybrid. So, I mean, they're doing extra training and whatever else. There's money available to them. They've got bigger budgets than what I haven't had. And I know people were fed up hearing about Gary talking about size of budgets and stuff like that. But in reality, it's the truth. You know, the league table, just look at the league table and it'll tell you that. I think my expectations maybe weren't managed as well. I mean, the, min- the minimum expectation we were being told every year, uh, and I did an interview, you'll remember, last season with Adrian Tear, where he said, the expectation or the minimum expectation was seventh and every year Gary was hitting that target so you know what's the problem we're here now we're only what six seven games eight games in the season and yes we had a bad start to the season but we were no means out of the run I I think people have panicked but again I go back to the fact that the opening three games of the season were quite tough yes we were poor against Newry and yes we were poor against Dungan generally I, I, I think I think it's been harsh. Poor results against the bottom half teams have somewhat been Glavin's calling card in the past year and a bit. Yeah. Uh, it it was perhaps being fluffed up point wise by these great results against the top six. And I'm sure you and I talked over the past year or so on this very podcast about well, probably getting the results against the top six sides. That's the hard thing to do. The the easier tweak should be showing up and getting the wins against the Dungannons and the Nuries, which hasn't happened this season and of course the results against the higher place sides aren't coming that wasn't happening either you were talking about Adrian Tier there he um, is chairman of course of Glenavon this is his last year in charge a lot of people would say that he would have been quite close to, to Gary that must have been difficult for him to move on it's obviously the board that decide this but you know on a personal level for him that must have been difficult I think it would have been, but Adrian is a chairman who is no stranger to relieving managers of his duties. Let's be honest about it. He hasn't it. done it for a while, but yes, he hasn't done it. He hasn't done it for a few years, but um, he, he had done it on plenty of occasions in the past. So I'm sure for him, he will have been thinking of the position of the football club, and in his head, he will have done what his board would have asked him to do as the chairman. Yeah, I'm sure it would have been difficult for him, and I'm sure nobody likes telling people they've lost their job, but um, it's done now. They now have a very tough job on their hands to try and find somebody to replace Gary, I think. I do want to talk about all of Gary's achievements because I think it is, it's relevant to reflect on, on what he did and, and on the success that he had, and even as, as, as fans, which I know you are, to just have those brilliant memories that were there, but... 
you talk about last season and that big long stretch i i had very much heard that he was under pressure going into this season and he was definitely under pressure last season before that big run of of poor results had there been any other time had this been building up for a long time or was it just a collection of we're not a t- top six side anymore things aren't going particularly well and when you go on that bad run you're thinking we need to change it up there probably had been i mean there been very there'd been the odd murmuring here and there from one or two supporters i think um prior to that run the poured down defeat in the middle of that run was maybe a bit of a turning point that's when we started to see anger really starting to grow but as he turned it around things had calmed down the summer our transfer activity was quite light shall we say really didn't replace Fitzpatrick as I mentioned before I think it was only in the final days of the transfer window we managed to sign a striker leaving us with Aaron Predergast who as good a player as he is is only what 19 and is leading the line by himself it's a lot of pressure to put on him but again, probably not for the want to try and buy Gary, you know, to try and find somebody to come in to fill that role. Finding a decent striker to replace somebody like Fitzpatrick, who had scored us, what was it, 20 odd goals last season. Very hard to do, particularly whenever, you know, again, we don't know what the budget or what money had been set aside for Gary to replace him. But maybe it wasn't just as simple as the money that was available or that had come in for Fitzpatrick from Linfield was going straight into find that replacement. The start of the season wasn't great and it got very, very toxic at times. It was very, very... It just wasn't a pleasant place to be at times watching Lanarpin play this season. I, I've heard things being said that were just... As a football fan, I haven't heard them being said at a football match in a long, long time. And um, whenever the time came, it, it was sad to see it go. Not totally unexpected, but um, the board had to do something. Yeah, and attendances have been have been down, or that had been re- reportedly been down. Looking at, at previous years, and when you're not absolutely rocking at the top of the table like you used to, that that is likely to happen. And and in football, you do see a higher turnover of manager, perhaps not in the Irish league in the same way, but across football in the world, like being manager of a team for over ten years is such an anomaly. And to also then have those highs, usually when there's any kind of low or dip, that's when you click your fingers. The question will be now, who who is going to come in and whoever does come in, will they be given a budget? The, the window's closed. It's going to be a while until they can bring anybody in or a substantial amount of names in. Like, was it just a feeling that he wasn't connecting with the squad of players that he had? And if somebody does come in, could there be money to spend? Because surely the goal is now, for whoever comes in, it, it is survival. Well, I mean, we're sitting eighth in the league at the minute. There's a long way to go. I don't think we're in any big panic yet. I think people just need to calm down on that front. But you know, you make a good point there about what any new manager is going to have to work with because surely the budget is going to be the same. In fact, it could be less because... I'm sure Gary Hamilton hasn't walked away from Glenavon for free. Mm-hmm. Whenever he's got two years left in the contract, okay, we don't know what's been agreed by both sides in that. You'd imagine that would come out of a budget. Any new manager coming in is going to have a very tough job, I reckon. Plus as well, you look at what Gary had done, not only with the first team, one of the reasons why I think Gary should have stayed on was because you look at the money Gary brought into the club through moving players on, bringing players through the academy or signing rough diamonds like Fitzpatrick who hadn't really got a chance 
that names or developing those players and selling them off for a fee. We need to find somebody who's going to continue that, but at the same time, the money needs to be available for a new manager to basically, once a player leaves, to replace them. And also somebody who's going to work with the academy in that same sort of manner. And that's going to be very tough to find, particularly if you're paying a part-time wage. I don't know. It's, it's a big, big task. It's new territory, ultimately, of how do, and, and particularly for the quote-unquote bottom six sides, how they approach it. We have absolutely talked to this podcast before about do you push the boat out a bit more? Do you try and make it work with your budget? Because I don't think the league has fully settled on how much you need to push, how much you need to invest to grow. And I know it's a, a weekly thing in this podcast where some people look at that Balamina as a way that you want to avoid if it means that you're overspending and then you have to cut it down and, and then you're in a position where you're even worse off than you were before. But you can't get assets to then grow the value sometimes out doing a bit of outlay and investing in a, in a player at, at a certain level so they can be sold now for a higher amount. And I, I think that's what I'll always look back and reflect upon. Gary's time at the club has been on one prong, the ability to find experienced players, winners, and players who you could have very easily said they're done, they're, they're just going to have one last paycheck and go and make them staples of the club and, and keystones of the team for multiple years. The other side of it is his ability to get these players and mould them. And then they went on and had this wonderful, successful career. And the, the players that I'm going to list, if that quality of player came through Glenavon right now, they would not be leaving for pretty much nothing or a handshake, as they did a lot of them, different circumstances for each player. But a lot of the players we're going to be talking about Glen Alvin were like, thanks for doing us a, a real good favourite. We don't want to stand in your way. Would have been the saying back in 15, 16, 17. And they go on. But if they were on the books Glen Alvin right now, as we saw with Fitzpatrick, there's fees being paid. As we saw with other players around the league, the McCartans and the bonuses. You know, you know them better than I do. But people will forget. Reese Marshall, Bobby Burns, Mark Sykes, Joel Cooper, Robbie McDade. Shane Lavery. These are players who, if they were there now, would be demanding a substantial fee. That would be a model that could work. Can you see that? You develop a player, you sell them all for money, you invest, you bring one up and they go again. Clubs across the world do this. And, I, and I'm sure you're sitting there looking, we had winning lottery tickets and we just couldn't cash them in because it was a different time. And now Gary just hasn't got the right hasn't got the right tickets right now and hasn't worked out for him. Yeah. And there were players as well that left. You, you mentioned some of them, like the Sykes, Cooper, Josh Daniels, I suppose as well, might have been one as well, who have so, been sold on. And we did we did get fees for them. But again, the money just wasn't invested from what I can see. So the one question that often gets asked about around Morgan Park is where did the money go? And I don't think we've ever really got to the bottom of that. I'm not saying there's anything illegal has happened there, by the way. I'm just saying... It wasn't invested in the squad. You know, Gary's budget has been largely the same for the last three or four seasons. So where, what's what's it doing? Is it sitting in a bank account somewhere just gathering up interest? Uh, who knows? I would rather have seen it invested in signing a, a quality striker, but that hasn't helped. Where are these quality strikers? Do they 
Where do they live? Well, they do. They they do. They do exist, but they don't want to play for a part time team for three hundred fifty pound a week. They they want to play at the top table. They want to or the top or teams at the top of the table rather, you know, and they're getting good, well paid for. It. This may be obvious, but I I think now with Hamilton now being away and the multiple years that you haven't been in the top six, and we now I think very clearly have an established top six. For many years, Glenavon were knocking at the door because they were seen still as a team that could battle up there and would be an attractive proposition now. Glenavon now are going to have to rebuild themselves reputationally to try and be close to that area or even be considered in the same reputation or be even close to being on the bubble again of the top six the next question will be who is going to be the person that replaces him. Some people have said, why would you sack such a long-term manager unless you had someone that you're very confident could replace him and be an improvement? I'm not saying the board don't have that, but they have opened them up, the job opened up to applications. There's a whole list of that of people that are being linked and rumoured. As a fan, is there a name, even if it's a bit fantasy land, that you would love to be announced tomorrow? There's no one I would say that I would love to be announced tomorrow. I, I see, to be honest, the list of names I have heard so far, I have found to be very uninspiring. And no disrespect to anybody who's on that list. You know, you talk, the name who initially jumped out was Sturdy King, but Sturdy's just signed a two-year, or a contract extension to Cardiff Rangers, and you see the investment there they're going to have soon, so why would he come to Glenadden? Apart from the fact that it's handier for him, because he's living in Banbridge. You have... David Jeffrey, I don't. If the stories are to be believed, David doesn't want to get back into management at this stage. Also, you look at what happened to Palomina. Would that be a good idea? Who knows? The other names that have been mentioned that I have heard: Mick O'Connor, who's obviously assistant at Newry at the minute, knows the squad, but is untested. Now, fair enough. We've gone from having someone who wasn't untested manager and never was appointed. I I don't know. It's a bit oh, a big risk considering where we're at at the moment. Um, yeah, so heard mentioned. Of course, you have um, Dean, Dean Smith is the other one. He's done very well. Look, all they sort of want to see whether they can maintain that form there on. Again, would Dean want to leave a job that he's doing quite well at? His success he's enjoying. Look, all to come to Glenavon and, as you say, potentially enter in the relegation battle. I don't know. I've got my list, and it they all have for me one point or the other where you go well that's why it wouldn't be right for them you mentioned there dean smith i pretty much in a very cute kind of way asked him out right in the radio and he pretty much said look i've, I've got a job here to do and i'm and i'm loyal to lock all does he see glenavon as a stepping stone clearly from a stature point of view glenavon are far bigger than lock all that can lead you on to bigger things but in the short term Lock all look like, at least to me, better side, 1 to 11. And if he keeps on the trajectory that he's going, and if he does want to move on, he might not want to, perhaps then there's a chance of he can achieve more with lock all to then leapfrog higher up the ladder if that's what he wants. Some would say, You say Stuart King, absolutely, I've saw that myself. He has had a real rough and tumble season. The only way I could see that is if, you know, things are, are getting a bit frosty there in Carrick. And maybe he wants to decide to have a bit of fresh perspective. But as you said, there's the numerous and probably the 80 to 20% reasons why you wouldn't want to go because they 
do look like they have investment. That's a squad that he's been able to build over the past few years. And despite it not going all guns blazing this season, he's had success. David Jeffrey is another one who seems to be very much enjoying his time outside of working day to day for a club and is enjoying his, his media commitments, enjoying semi retirement from football management and going right into the frying pan with Glenavon could, could be difficult. Other ones that I've seen is Michael Connor, as you said, someone that knows the setup, has been there with the club for the past few years. Perhaps the club go, he's the man that we want to come in. That's somebody that would be grooming and thinks that he would have the ideas to, to change it up, freshen things up for the club. Another one is Darren Mullen, obviously ex-Nury manager. Look, I, I'm not massively close to that situation, but I feel like that's very unlikely just because he had pretty much the the perfect dream situation from Nury beloved of that club absolute legend and it was very much his choice to, to just take a step back maybe he wants a new challenge but i i, I think you're, that would be one that i'd be very surprised at seeing happening i think you're right from what from what i'm led to believe darren feels he owes his family a bit of time back which is fair enough considering he dedicated what over 10 years of his life to new York city that whole project getting them up and running and taking them to where they are so you never know maybe he does fancy it but I've not heard anything to suggest that he does. I don't know if we should count him in at this stage. That, that's how I feel. Keir McGurnahan, uh, I probably never feel very comfortable about saying that right. Again, very connected to the Yana right now. Has success. He has a project there. That would be a, a big thing for him to up, up, up six and leave. You have the Shields. One of them. Both of them. Who knows? Dane obviously left. Dungannon at the end of last season will he want to move into management could the board be enticed by what he was trying to achieve there Kenny is an incredible experience in his own right as well maybe he's the flavour that they want bit of experience knows the game being a manager high up the level um, Chris Lindsay seems to be the one that is being connected to the club more than anybody He's someone who was a part of the backroom staff. Briefly, I think he was he was there also in a playing capacity. I think he helped out coaching as well for a while before he moved yep. on to the Swifts. Again, we're we're putting them in the knows the club ever so slightly basket. You would think this is someone who's got this job at the IFA, which had been talked about a lot during the summer, and that seemed to be one of the reasons that people were hinting that. You know, was he offered the Cliftonville job? We don't know for sure. Well, I can't tell you for sure. Perhaps he did. Perhaps he wasn't. The talk seemed to be that he had been offered it, but he didn't want to take it on because of his commitment to the IFA. You would then ask, well, then what would be different about Glenavon? What's been suggested to me is perhaps he feel comfortable there, and if he was to move, Glenavon just feels like he knows it better. He knows the situation and perhaps was uh, waiting for that situation to open. I don't know that. And then... Beyond those ones, it's like, does Paul Key want to jump up from the welders if he gets offered? Would Andy Waterworth, I don't know if he has the right coaching badges, suddenly move from the IFA? He knew the club for a bit for that season that he was there. Has the potential, you would imagine, to really be a top manager in this league. Ronnie McFall would come out of retirement for one last hurrah. Wouldn't that be a story? You know, so it, yeah. it, I, 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 think, I think Ronnie, I think Ronnie was actually there on Saturday as well. So I mean, instantly he's being linked to the job. Um, but I can't see it to be honest with Ronnie. But no, there's a couple of names you mentioned there. I mean, Andy Waterworth, 
Chris Lindsay, both in good jobs with AFA. Would they want to leave them to come and coach Glen Avon? Who knows? Not bad shouts, I suppose. But again, it's it comes down to what they want. And it seemed to be Dar Murphy was very much not ruling himself out on the radio over the weekend since he took time away from being a full-time manager has been in a lot of other other setups uh, behind the scenes is obviously with Finn Harps at the minute so you know this seems to be something that I think is going to take me by surprise you just don't know so while that still goes on and we know that Gary is now no longer in the post the quirky story there is that of course he did he was playing football at the weekend for Hill Street a team in Lurgan that his brother manages that has to be one of those guy helping things I've ever heard in my life. It is. It's, and do you know what? Fair play to Mark. I know Mark well. Uh, me and Mark have been friends for a long time. And it's probably the best publicity that um, Hill Street have ever had because they've been everywhere this last week or so since uh, it came through on Comet that he had signed Gary for them. And from what I'm led to believe, he played in the centre defensive midfield role rather than playing up front. Uh, and did, and, and hey, played it's, the, it's, the, it's the Rivaldo. I uh, played the 90 minutes as well. So um, Amazing. He's no longer a fat fifth voice striker. He's now the first choice to set or centre defensive midfielder for Hill Street. So forbid him. This is a boring pedant to think. How can he sign for Hill Street? Was he not like registered as a player? Like, is not outside of the transfer window? Was he released? Like, I I just thought that. Like, hold on a second. How does that happen? He was registered for Glenavon as an amateur. Ah, very good. So he can play for Hill Street. That's that's how that happened. There you go. Big boring semantics. So he it goes away and does that. I think this is pretty obvious. I don't think Gary's managerial career is anywhere close to being over i think we all know he's going to pop up somewhere we're not going to be able to go there's no jobs open that we can attach him to but you know as soon as any job is open he will now be number one at the top of almost every list for any job that's going and i think he has the cv to justify being at the top of many chairman's lists well, what you've just said basically justifies why I think we may well have got this wrong in sacking him. Because you look at all those top six sides, he would walk into any of those jobs, wouldn't he? There's an argument to be said on this list. If he was a free a free man right now, you'd be like, oh, look at this guy, Hamilton guy. Like, he took a club, a regional club, top three in the, a number of times in the past 10 years. Great record of developing youth. Ah, you know, didn't have a lot of investment. Imagine what happened, you know. Maybe he could be the right manager to to manage this Glenavon side of ours, you know. But that's it doesn't work out that way. But it, it, you're right. That's that that's the bold risk that the board has taken. Yeah. Because it could very yeah. easily be, we'll sit back. Hopefully the results will come good again, and, and and we'll we'll keep this train rolling. But they haven't, and you know Gary will him being on the market will then will now put pressure on any other boss in the league that's not not going well not that i want people to lose jobs at all or, or them to feel under pressure but it's football and that's just the way it's going to go he will be connected and be touted by any fan base who's feeling frustrated by a long run of poor results as you know what i have no doubt as well that gary will get a job and he will go and be a success and win trophies no matter where he ends up you know he's a good manager as you you've outlined Great record with development players. Yeah, he'll be grand. He lands on his feet. As he always does, I just think our board have got to think long and hard about who they're going to get into replacement. It's going to be a big, big challenge. I know 
when this happens it must feel very very raw and this was a club as has been talked about a lot this was his boyhood club he had so many incredible memories do you believe this has potentially soured any relationship between him and the club and, and the fan base is this it's, it's never a nice thing it's never going to feel great and it's hard to have a breakup after such a long stint together without some feelings being hurt. Between between Gary and the board, yes. Between Gary and supporters, um, well, I think <laughs> his uh, relationship with some of the supporters will be will have been soured by the fact they're getting them sacked. So that goes without saying. However, I think. If you look at some of the stuff that's been said on social media, uh, even by those who were looking, uh, looking rid of Gary, you know they've spoken very well about Gary's time and the achievements he made. I don't think there's any question about that. What Gary? Where you mentioned at the start, uh, where Glenavon were, uh, when Gary came in, and I can remember that period because in the ten years beforehand, we had been relegated, we had been promoted back up. Finished second in that league, by the way. We didn't win the the first division. We came second and won a playoff. Just about. Crusaders get relegated that night, come back up and overtake us and come the force that they are now. We also had flirted a relegation on two or three other occasions during that time. That's why Gary came in, because it looked as though we could have been in a bit of diffs. Now, that wasn't five or six games in the season. That was uh, just before the January transfer window opened. And, you know... The job he has done at the club has, as you said, been revolutionary. He has he's brought us to a place that I didn't think I would ever see us at. You know, qualifying for Europe. I I've seen Glenavon win in Europe now, which I didn't think. A, a team which we have to mention every time it comes up. A team which featured Erling Haaland and was managed by Oleg Orsociak. <laughs> we have to mention it every time. But um, you know, like some great memories. But my my own personal favorite though wasn't any of the cup wins. I did, for some reason I didn't like the cup finals there. I just was on the edge for the whole the whole day. It was horrible. The night we beat the Glens in the quarter final of the Irish Cup, and uh, we scored two late goals, and I think it was Guy Bates scored the winner. Was it Chris Lindsay equalised and Bates he scored the the winner with like five minutes left in the game? That was an incredible night. Yeah, I think Glenavon fans will think fondly over the whole piece of Gary's time. I don't. I think he'll be back at some stage. I think he will eventually. It's funny you mentioned what you're, because that's exactly what I was going to ask you, because a lot of people will point to those cup finals and those victories against Balamina and Lindenfield in the mid-20-teens and all those European runs. And you look at the table now, the idea of, of anybody, even Korean, breaking into the top three. I know they were flirting with winning the league only a, a couple of years ago but it just shows how successful Gary was in, in being able to motivate his players develop the club grow the squad and, and take these players to the next level he was and is a big game manager that always seemed to be one of his absolute strengths and I think that's why I looked back on last season going that's what he was able to do and motivate these players to play out of their skins and, and beat top six sides but then they he just wasn't able to get that same energy and gusto out of the exactly the same team and squad against opposition they really should have been beating based on their their stature you spoke about where they were and 
I know plenty of people who listen to this podcast remember, and maybe you'll think this is unfair, not in fan base, but in the 2000s, Glenavon were minnows in many ways. They were considered, it was constantly changing of the guard of manager. It seemed to be going from one crisis to another. And it was such a big change from the 90s where it was yourself and poured it down during some period, some absolute heydays for, for both teams there. And Port Iron were able to continue that up until kind of just the end of they got relegated and their own. Like, if you compare those two clubs, when Guy Hamilton took charge, Glenavon just went up and up and up and Port Iron have pretty much just descended at, at the same time. Are, are, we so giving, it must... are we not giving Gary credit for getting Port Iron relegated? I think we should. Well, if you look <laughs> upon that as you know because I've, I've done a few reports from from those games like if you look at the history i'm sure pre guy coming in it must have been some incredible record that poor i would have had over glenavon when it comes to results well sure even look at, at, at recent games so if you look at even recent games where um boxing day we hadn't won at shamrock park and boxing day in like 26 years or something like that until last season and then you know until last season that one result you seem to always have the run around of Portadown. You know, that's that's just where a club can go. And, and there is somewhat echoes there because Portadown got rid of Ronnie McFall. Ronnie McFall was obviously there for close to 30 years, I believe, you know. So it's not the same kind of thing. But sometimes when you change it up, when someone's been there for a long time, you think we need fresh energy. It doesn't always. It's hard to capture that that essence again. Uh, but it's, you know... What will happen with Glenavon, uh, we don't know, but it, it'll definitely be interesting to see where Gary eventually ends up. End of an era for sure. But you never know. It could just be the second coming of the Mournview Blues. Fingers crossed. We may as well stick with uh, Glenavon very quickly and their game at the weekend. First game without Gary Hamilton for all those thousands of thousands of days. And it didn't end too badly. 2-1, you win over a really out-of-sorts Cart Rangers team. They didn't help themselves with Kyle Cherry getting sent off very early on. Then comes another old name from the past, which you didn't get any cash for. Different circumstances. Mr. Perkis scoring a bit of a worldie from long and far out. But you're able to get that assistant manager bounce and get the three points at home against Carrick. Exactly what your club needed, no doubt, after the week that you've you've had. Yeah, well, I mean, sod's law. I mean, of course, sack the manager and team wins. I, I wouldn't say it was a, a, a 10 out of 10 performance by Glenavon. They got the job done. I don't think we played that much differently from how we would have played under Gary in the game, except to say maybe we kept the ball on the ground a bit more. Um, and that may well have been down to the fact that we had we were playing a team for most of the game only had 10 players but a good win as you say I think it was a bit of relief of the, of the final whistle you mentioned Danny Perkis's goal I mean I think everybody in the ground just went wow <laughs> even I was sitting there going yeah, I had to applaud that actually I was quite good Danny well done <laughs> it was some hit I mean, I, I, it came out of nowhere but he obviously saw that Rory Brown was off his line and uh, scored the goal from our point of view I think the one that Helen thinks was if you read I think it was Monday's Belfast Telegraph there's an interview with Danny Wallace who says that Glenavon have not been playing at their best this season and 
I think that's been a large part of what has been the contributing factor of where we're at. That maybe the players haven't been given their all over the last few weeks. It's, it's difficult to whenever there's so much negativity about the place, I suppose. So hopefully things will improve. We've got a tough run coming up now over the next wee while. I think um, we have Crusaders away. Yeah, brilliant. And that's followed by, I think we have uh, Lauren from right and saying the week after. This this was a mini run that you had where you had Lockall, Dungannon, Carrick and Dungannon. And to get out of there with four points probably isn't absolutely ideal. But right now, all these teams around there are somewhat taking points off each other. To reflect on, on Carrick, who may be biased, Kyle Cherry was somewhat furious with his red card. I feel for him ever so slightly. I don't think he dives in massively but he definitely stretches out with the boot and he, and he goes for it, let's just say. that It's one of those things where that early in the game, usually it's yellow. Is that a justified decision by saying just because it's early, it's not a red? Perhaps not, but um, I, I I would be frustrated if I was a Carrick fan ever so slightly, but he did give the referee the chance to do that. Yeah, and I think actually watching it in real time, it looked like a bad chat tackle. Watching it back, maybe not so much, but... No. Um... No, I, I can see I could see at the time why the referee sent them off as you say yep. gave them the choice but it wasn't that bad in reflection and I talked a lot over the past few weeks just about this up and down car team I obviously backed them significantly at the start of the season I think any of those it would take a big big turnaround which you know they have the strikers to potentially do that uh, for Carrick to all of a sudden be back up and punching in, in, in the top six where perhaps they had a wee sneaky notion it's it's for me for them it's get back to playing well they've got a couple of big big games coming up with lauren and, and glenn torn to end the month uh but uh you know it isn't working for them right now but i'm sure it could all come together eventually but talking about a team who actually is sitting there enjoying top six football lock all i was down at the balamina showgrounds to see them Let's Balamina. Balamina still stuck, rooted at the bottom of the league. But I could wax lyrical about this lock all side. I know I was one of the few people, which I'll proudly say, that said they aren't getting relegated. I'm not saying it's a certainty right now, but I think they have done so much work already where it could only take maybe five, six more wins and then they can sit back and relax. Dean Smith would hate anybody saying that, as he said to me <laughs> after the game, it's only seven games, we all need to chill out and relax, but their results against the uh, established, let's say, bottom six, has been, what, like 10 points from four games, they look electric, they've got a game plan, they've got players who are excellent in key positions, it just all works. A lot of people would talk about how they haven't got a striker to score the goals, but by the amount of chances they created on Saturday, and look, Balomina were a, a, their dance partner in that. Um, they should be able to score plenty over the year. I don't want to be as bullish as saying that bar collapse, they're pretty much safe, but I, I kind of am. They are excellent. And as someone said in this podcast uh, a few weeks ago, and I don't want to credit someone that it wasn't, they do remind me a lot of that Balmather team when they first came up a number of years ago. They're just confident, good on the ball playing football team who right now 
haven't had their uh, mental scarring losses yet. I think you're... Uh, yeah, I can't disagree with that. I think they are looking really good. They're confident. They've got plenty of... Um, I, th- I think you, you mentioned that they haven't got the striker, but I was delighted to see Nathaniel first amongst the goals for them on Saturday. I think Nathaniel's a great player. He is a player I actually would like to see him happen. See him get a chance. He's a big... He's not quite as imposing as, let's say, an Andrew Mitchell, but he has that about him. And when you combine him with other player players running off him, I think Benji McGee is a player you're going to hear a lot about. I mean, things he did on Saturday, it'll go unnoticed because it was against Balamina. He was just taking it past players. He's a small, nimble little player, but he can run, he can pass, and he's can always get in a position. And then you've got also like Andrew Howie. Th- this guy, Orm Bruggen, is like c- kind of a dark Coke Fatsule. He can just sit in there. Like seriously, like he he just, he's a bit of a destroyer and will take a yellow car when he needs to. That back three of Ben Murdoch in the center, just no nonsense, solid as you like, always composed. And then Keen Lochran, like what a big frame he has and his ability on the ball is excellent and he's really able to take it out, play it out. And then either side, you know, Andrade just has so much zip about him. He can whip in a ball. I mean, they should have scored plenty more goals. And off the bench, you've got Boyd to come on from Cruz. You could do a bit of that. Alberto Balde, like, created a goal out of nothing on Saturday. Balamino were very poor, particularly in the second half, but Lock all were ruthless, and I've spent a lot of time watching bottom six football, and lock all were very, very impressive. Yeah, I'm delighted as well, you know, for Andy Hoy. Andy's a talented player. He's with Glenavon at the start of his career. Um, very handy for cricket bat as well, Andy Hoy. He he do well for them. He'll always give you a solid seven out of ten performance every week, and that's what lock all need. You know, people giving them that every week, and you know, as I say. They're playing with confidence. I think they'll win more games. I think they'll be safe. I think, don't think you'll even see them anywhere near relegation scrap this year. No, and, and as I said on, on Twitter, they've got to play Carrick if they're a bottom six side, which I think it's safe to assume unless they go on a mega run. They've got Carrick four times and then they've got the other bottom six side 12 more times. So you'd, if I offered you right now an over-under on what Lockall would get from that and I said, five wins three draws i don't think you would feel very confident betting under that mark and then also you bring in the top six games where they go to seaview one of the hardest places in the league and get a point down the 10 men you know if you then add in all those other top six sides who still have to go to lakeview if i said to you right now if the stat line's 5.5 points are they going to get above that or below that? You're not feeling mega confident by saying they'll probably only get five points. Did they beat Corrine as well at the start of the season? They they lost at home, but they did pull a goal back. And I think they scored quite early as well. So the biggest problem at the bottom of the league, I find for teams, if they can't score, obviously conceding is an issue for all those teams and if you cannot concede you'll do all right but scoring is the one thing we all thought would be their issue but right now it doesn't seem to be injuries will come and they will go and everything else and uh scoring goals is absolutely a problem for balamina right now they had that glimpse of of somewhat of a revival when they get to 
get three points against this car team who i mean are just giving up points to the other bottom six sides like it's going out of fashion but they were really really poor on saturday particularly in the second half they were able to fight and battle for most of the first and then they were able to get that goal from a set piece to go in at one nil at, at the break but outside of that they're a team who like to bruise the other side but they just don't have the same kind of dynamic players that the likes of Lockall and Yuri do. And it's just, they just look like they feel a bit sorry for themselves. I was surprised at how poor they were the time that they came to Moorview and we beat them. I was surprised at that stage we got a win, let's be honest. But even like against Lockall, you know, I, I watched the highlights of that game and I just didn't think they were, they were wonderful. And you sort of wonder, could Jim Irvin becoming under a bit of pressure there as well now? What are we now? Seven, eight games in the season? They're sitting there for what, three points? It's not where they want to be. No. And I think with a lot of other teams, you know, difficult runs will come. They had a hugely difficult run at the start of the season. I think they played all the all pretty much all the top six. And now they've had this run against Glenavon and and, and Carrick and Lock on and they've got their one win, but they can't be also that's what happens at the bottom of the league you try and get points but if you don't get it you're then handing your opposition points at the same time so a long season to go can Westendorf start getting a few goals perhaps do they just need to change things up it's been a lot of turnover in that squad and I think if you you, you took their 2023 stat line of results it's it's absolutely relegation this has not come out of nowhere and losing to lock all just extends that that space between them and, and, and the other sides other results over the weekend i mean i felt as though i was watching a rerun from last season and i think linfield fans will will feel exactly the same way lauren take care of business at home down inver and it's those attacking players which do the business and Linfield's backline, which hurt them again. Very much so. Um, you know, they gifted Lauren all three points really on Friday night. I re- I actually really enjoyed the game. I thought it was a good game of football. A lot of questions probably would have been asked at the start of the game about why Taylor Lynch started with Paul O'Neill up front rather than um Lee Bonus, but fully justified his decision. I thought O'Neill took his goal well. Lauren probably could have won by more, to be honest. Linfield, as we've said, they're very, very sloppy at the back. Lauren, for me, looking as though if they can get that bit of consistency and, and keep going, they'll be champions again this year. It's the first time that I've seen Lauren properly wake up seems a bit over the top, but I think they've been drifting their way through this season a wee bit. And there was something about that performance. It wasn't all guns blazing, but it, it said to me that they aren't going to take this lightly and they aren't going to just rest on their laurels. That was a more proactive approach to the game it's there, there's big decisions in there sticking in paul o'neill and another big decision which somewhat surprised me and it looks as though it may be a long-term one tomas cosgrove isn't their captain anymore kim bolger's been given the armband it seemed to be an internal thing that they've they've made this decision but it's surprising to say the least it is don't know what's happened there why that has happened a lot of people sort of question whether or not it matters who the captain is on the pitch we have seen it Glen Avon, you know, the how, how it affected us last season because I think we played better. Again, no disrespect to Danny Wallace. We played better whenever Danny wasn't the captain. 
Um, I think it just takes a bit of pressure off him. But then, you know, you talk about the, the characters mentioned at Lauren, and it didn't really seem to affect them last season. So I don't really know what, what that decision is all about. It's always something you would assume with a team that needs a, a jolt or a change or something hasn't been going right or, you know, there's been something happen. I, I perhaps there hasn't. We're not aware of it and I'm not going to... I have no information I'm trying to allude to here, but clearly they were saying, we've just decided to make this decision and is it long-term? Taron Lynch didn't seem to, to know one way or the other, but he made that choice and and perhaps you're right, like you said, some players actually play better without that pressure or that role of having to do all the kind of admin on, on the pitch, the motivational admin there. So, um, look... We'll see how it goes. It made us be a one-game thing. Look, Lauren, so far, haven't completely led back and, and, and let the league pass them by. And uh, it's just, once again, for Linfield, it's the defence which lets them down. It's mistakes that let them down. And it's perhaps putting themselves in a position by not being as fluid, not being as, not taking as much risks playing a bit too safe and then when you have to start charging at the team when you're behind you're you're playing behind the eight ball yeah but if Linfield want to go and win the league they're going to have to perform better defensively we talk about the bottom six sides and how important it is for them to you know keep clean sheets for the press this is important for teams at the top end of the table as well because as much as they have all the firepower they're like a proper lurking man there all the firepower available to them you know they, they'll not win games if they're conceding two or three like they did the other night um, like, as I said they were just sloppy so sloppy could have lift, gifted Lauren another couple of goals it's funny I, I will give uh, Samuel credit on Twitter when I posted about the cruise and about how it's not looks as though it's fact it's being reported Jimmy Calgar's out for the season and I was I thought that he really added a lot to that team at the start of the season and just looked to solidify them and add a bit of quality and add a bit of leadership there at the back and him being away I think could really impact him but as as he rightfully said Linfield haven't looked the same since Jimmy Gallagher's gone either you know there's one player that's out and he's impacted two defences because I think Cruz have, have missed him significantly as well since that Uri game so again it's all about personnel it's all about matchups and it's often it's the players that make up the remedy of these teams but if we're talking firepower Somewhere that seemed to have been a, a matchless zone was the Oval on Saturday. Roddy McAree comes in East Belfast and just shuts the whole thing down. Deadlock, nil-nil. And Dungannon are continually the stick. It's the stick in the spokes in the wheel. They're just making every top six side frustrated. And Glen Torn are just their most recent victim. I think they would have been delayed to come away at the point. On Saturday, who wouldn't be delighted to go to the Oval and come away with a point? And they probably would have taken them before the game as well. And Torn had plenty of chances. It would work twice. I think they would have been disappointed that they won the game in the end. Very frustrating afternoon, I would imagine, for them. They have had their good days on their off days this season, Glen Torn, going forward. But it's at the back that just seems to be causing them problems. And perhaps that's impacting the flow of this team. Marcus Kane is the latest player who seemed to be injured halfway through that game and needed to be taken off this also adds to a list of Reese Marshall who ha doesn't seem to have been right ever since that first game of the season where he hobbled off I think he had one appearance and he's, he's, he's back injured again 
Luke McCullough looks like he potentially could be out for a couple of weeks. So that that's pretty much their number one back line. And they still have Aiden Wilson trying to hold it all together. But it's it's just, it's not ideal when you have that. Like, you've, you've got plenty of people still in there with McLean. And, you know, you have going up near the top of the pitch, McGinn in and out of the team, bringing in Joshua Kelly when Sule is injured. It's not a bad thing to have, but it, it could be difficult for them when the, when the bigger games come, when so much of these games are decided by a moment of magic or potentially a moment of madness, as we we saw in that Lauren uh, Linfield game. They could be big, big misses. But th- this this Dungannon team is low-key like Glenavon last season. They're pulling off big results. They're not always wins, but they're coming out of these games against the top six and everybody's applauding them but the one thing they're not doing is winning against the bottom six can you share how Glenavon were able to fix with this or do Dungannon just have to live with their new reality and deal with it well Dungannon beat us last week so (laughs) and we're now bottom six so they do have it in them to do it they're not a bad team Dungannon I mean they have some very good players you know I I liked how they played they they came straight at us scored very early on in that game was it 12 seconds the score so they, they have a bit about them I, I don't think they'll be in any bother this year either if they keep going the way they're going as I said earlier they will have been pleased they've got that point they just need to like us crack the bottom six which can be difficult I think sometimes you know, whenever you're playing these bottom six teams because the points are so vital that much that bit tougher if you're playing against the top six side, you're not playing with any fear because it's almost like a free hit. The bottom six games are probably the bread and butter for the likes of Glenavon Dungan at the minute. So that's where the difficulty comes because it's the same for, for both teams playing. They, they both want to win. They want, both want to progress and aim for that seventh place. Well, another team who got a pretty easy victory against Glenavon because I was there to see it was Nuri. They're currently now, since that victory... They've lost four games in a row and their uh, latest team to put them to the sword was Coleraine, who changed their kit at halftime. Absolutely rightfully so. I foresaw this issue coming an absolute mile away. Nuri playing in pretty much a white kit. It's like a slightly grey kit and Coleraine uh, beat them up at the showgrounds but just very humorously had to change into their gold top for the second half. Yeah. Half the league players in blue and most of them play in blue and white. Strange why that would have happened, why that wasn't spotted on Comet right at the very start. Okay, the shirt, may, I think maybe on Comet, but the issue is the shirt is shaded in. But if you see it in reality, as you say, it's just off-white. Um, so yeah, I can see how that problem would have arisen. But um, who's a kick class is probably the least of your mm-hmm. concerns at the minute. I think their big problem is defensively. Yeah. What is it, 22 goals have conceded now in eight games, something like that. Which is just as many as Carrick and Carrick got beat 9-0, you know, or whatever it was 9-1. But if they can tighten up, they'll give themselves a chance because, again, not a bad outfit. They can play some really good football. You know, they've got players who can score goals, but pointless if you can't keep a clean sheet. You're right. It's since that 3-1 victory over yourselves, Glenavon in August there, it's 4-0 to the Cruise, 4-0 to Lorne, 4-2 against Glentorn, and then 3-1 against Coleraine. So, yeah, that's a... That's a lot of goals. Uh, it's 15 and, and 4. Uh, not good, but you know they've had these kind of runs before and they'll hope now that it will start to ease up. Um, 
for Cool Rain, it's kind of almost if you listener are tired of me saying it, I think I'm tired of me saying it. They're up and down in in these these games, and they always look great going forward. But even against a Nuri side at home, it's somewhat of a hit and hope goal. Maybe that's underplaying it, but it would have looked even better as a result if this was a three nil rather than a three one. It's still an, a little ink blot on Corian's copybook for the day and it's changed up a lot there's been injuries but they need to tighten things up or they are going to have that Dungannon result happen to them again and again yeah it sounds to be listening to us talking here about all these teams or how they need to tighten up defensively we're just aiming here for a lot of nil-nil draws every week but you know you're right look I don't think the result was no big shot really let's be honest probably do need to tighten up defensively but then they also scored some good goals themselves. Um, Carson's goal, I thought was a great finish. The Nuri goal, Newell's goal, wasn't it? Neural? Lee Newell scored the goal. Yep. Yeah, maybe a bit hit and hope, as you say, but I didn't think it was that bad a finish. Korean will be in the mix for the top six, and I no doubt about that. They'll be fine. We need to talk about what just went down in North Belfast. The big lights, the fancy big national cameras were on, where Cliftonville come in, off an absolutely stinking run, and Crusaders low-key weren't on a brilliant run either. Cliftonville won out. They absolutely did a number on Crusaders there in their back garden. I don't think I've seen Crusaders have such a poor performance at home in absolutely ages. Has Lockall broken the spell with that 10-man comeback? Because Cliftonville just smashed it tonight. Some great goals there. Gallagher kicking it all off, but then Hale's able to find space. Wilson finishes it off as a contest early in the second half. And, you know, after all the things that have been said about Cliftonville, mainly on this podcast and elsewhere, where it just seemed to be when the big games came around, they were very much left wanting. It is, in fact, Crusaders who's sitting here with their tail between their legs, thinking, what do we do now? What do we do next? The news has come out that Jimmy Gallagher is now out for the season, and his removal from that team has just been such a hammer blow. Cliftonville looked so confident, they looked so assured on the ball, and Crusaders will have to try and regroup and and dust themselves off and get going here, but this is a Big, big win for Cliftonville. Not only is it their first big result against a top six side, but to go right into the home of their rivals and put on that performance. There have been so many questions about that coaching staff at Cliftonville coming in. Jim Magilton and Jared Little, what are they going to do? And they, and they kick the season off so well. They have this big, fantastic bounce. And then it all starts to become a tiny bit sour. And in a game like this, you're thinking, are they able to show up? Because th- this is ultimately where they're going to earn their bread and butter, isn't it? This is where they have to put their coaching to the test, try and lift this team. I know it shouldn't be a game where you need to lift players up, but to really get them focused, to get them in the right mindset, to keep that concentration while also having the confidence to deliver a game plan. That's where you earn your stripes. And I think Magilton and Co. really did earn those slightly jazzy green and white stripes that Cliftonville had on today. So let's not get too caught up in this result, but to reflect on what happened, 
Cliftonville will use this or will want to use this as a pad to bounce off from. And now you look back at the last couple of results for Crusaders and you think in all competitions, it's kind of disarray. They need a bounce back game. Kind of what Cliftonville had, but this is this is a big three points they've just given them. That is an emotional blow that will sting for Crusaders for a while. But for Cliftonville, they're on cloud nine. I'm going to use this as a little bit of a time to reflect on some people's views. I don't feel as though I do this enough on the podcast. But I did say, hey, I'm going to talk about Gary Hamilton. And I wanted to give people a chance to share some of their views, some of their feelings about how it all went down. Um, I, I'm going to share something that I got from a Glen Avon fan. I'll, I'll just not name them on this situation. But they gave me a whole big overview of what they feel it went down. Because there's been a lot a lot of things that have been said about Gary Hamilton. All the, all the great things he did. But as, as a fan, there clearly was frustrations. And I think perhaps this person gives an idea of what those frustrations were. I'm going to quote in the middle of what they said here so this is the full context but i've been supporting glenavon for about 40 years now through thick and thin gary has worked wonders with our club the irish cup wins the top three finishes europe etc but anyone can see it hasn't been good for a while the constant moan about full-time against part-time the same old excuses as much as i've enjoyed it all it's just been stagnating this past couple of seasons. Yes, there's the seventh place playoff. Losing consistently, though, to lower league opposition was torture. Cup runs are a distant memory. Occasional good performances against the top teams were outweighed by the showings the following week when hope was built up and then well and truly dashed. A change, unfortunately, was sadly needed. Fresh eyes and fresh ideas something so that's somewhat of a view of a frustrated fan who very much enjoyed Gary Hamilton being involved loved what he did but he felt as though it was time to move on a couple more here Callum says brought so many big names up great job in my opinion with everything's had to work with as well and I think that's true a lot of people reflect that there wasn't many big names coming in all the big names seemed to be developed in-house or had been taken. Players who hadn't had an absolute sterling career elsewhere and made them into the kind of league top-tier superstars like the likes of Fitzpatrick. And as well as that, he was taking in some other players that seemed to be at the end of their career and doing wonders. Craig says, Give us the best times most of us will ever see at Moorview. But all good things have to come to an end. And finally, I'll just reflect on what Linfield fan has to say here, where Robbie talks about it somewhat as reminiscent of when DJ announced his departure, it had gone stale. That's the interesting thing. We talk about football, we talk about like stale has to have some sort of shelf life, but that isn't always the case. How many United fans, I know it's easy to reflect on one of the greatest managers of all time with Ferguson, but sometimes when you have those dips, it's hard to reflect on what got you to these great big highs. And in many ways, the great highs that Gary was being compared to were highs that he created and no one had created within that club as manager for, what, 10, 15 years up until that point. So we, we, we will just have to see. It's kind of a different era with the full-time era that comes in 
perhaps part of that full-time era is just a change of coach and manager a bit more but look no doubt we'll be talking about gary his legacy where he goes what he does next plenty over the next few weeks on this podcast Okay, more games coming thick and fast. Are we likely to see a manager in the role by the time Glenavon play again? I think uh, no. In fact, probably the closing date for the job probably says that's not, that's not going to happen. But they play against Crusaders. And uh, it would be some result if Glenavon are feeling themselves and they can get a result against the Cruise, a Jimmy Calgarless Cruise. But... Uh, even you, I doubt, would tell me that it's it's likely to happen. I am not going to say it's likely to happen, no. But confidence is high after a win last week. They will look at it and go, well, considering what we've been through over the past week, where we didn't know who was taking the team until Thursday night, consider everything that's been thrown us, why couldn't we go to the CV and get a result? Big ask. But, um, well... We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Listen, I'll be there and I wouldn't leave the house. As I said to everybody every Saturday and everybody asked me what I think the result's going to be, I wouldn't leave the house if I didn't think we'd get a result. So I still think we might be able to get something out of this game. We are recording this bit just before the big Cliftonville Cruise game so we could be laughing or being shown up but we'll go straight to Cliftonville going to Ballymena. It's another one of these three o'clock games. I mean, no matter what happens at Sevier, what has happened, at, at Seaview for Cliftonville, I mean, they have had an awful run recently after such a bright start. Like, they're going against the bottom side who can barely score a goal, forget getting a result. Like, they just have to go in there and blow the doors off and, and win without drama, regardless of what happens against the Crews. Absolutely. If they go in, score a couple of early goals, job done. I, I can't see Balamina fighting back on that one. I don't... I think this will be a game. It'll be more about how poor Balamina are than how good Cliftonville are. If Cliftonville can get a result and state get a one 0 result, that'll do them. If they can go in and win two, three, even four, you know, it'll do their confidence a world of good in terms of where they want to be and challenging for the title. I've got to believe that Cliftonville will get the result there. I think that will be a just a two nil win for Cliftonville, and I'm probably going to go. I'm going to go 1 0 cruise. I'm going to say a penalty. You'll be up to the task, but you'll hack down a Heatley or something, and and the penalty will happen there. So 1 0. I'm going to be kind there for the cruise against Glenavon. This is exactly the type of game we've been looking forward to all year. And you talk about building confidence. This could be a confidence buster. Linfield go to Lakeview Park on a Saturday. This is what. These RSD games can be all about, look, if Linfield route them, it won't feel as fun or as joyous, but can you imagine a little tight affair over 90 minutes? How thrilling that would be to watch or listen to over the radio. I think it will be a tight affair. Um, Lakeview Park's a hard place to go to. And, you know, it's a tight pitch. It'll not be easy for Linfield. I don't, I don't think Lockwell will make it easy for, for them. Would not surprise me if that game finishes in a stalemate of some description. Particularly after Lorne. And you go from losing to Lorne to then go to the tightest little pitch in the league. There'll be plenty of Linfield fans surrounding surrounding the pitch, no doubt. But the funny thing here is that Lockhall have not been good at home this season. All Pretty much all their results have come away from home, bar that 1-1 draw with Glenavon. 
So we can talk about it being a tight pitch and being suitable for lock goal, but it hasn't made it suit for them. But they have scored goals, and you think a little snatching grab could worry Linfield, but look, Linfield still have great players. McKee should have absolutely blasted it in when it came off the post. He scored plenty of goals. Cooper makes everybody dizzy, and we saw what happened when Glenn Torrin came to town. O'Connor was able to do bits against lock all. Like, a big dramatic 1-1 would be exhilarating for everybody bar Linfield fans but I think this is going to be similar to that Linfield Dungannon game I'm going to say like 3-1 Linfield I don't know I mean you mentioned Lockall's away form this will be like a little away game for Lockall because that place is going to be full of Linfield fans Linfield will bring more uh, fans to Lakeview than what uh, Lockall will you never know you know I I, I want to stick my neck out and say a draw. One all draw. I, I, I can see it. I'm not going to predict it, but I can see it. I, I Look, I'm the person that has said that I think Loco are going to get three points in Belfast this year. I don't know who, I don't know when, but I think they'll get three points in Belfast. Would, if if Loco was to get, maybe it's because they're playing so well at the minute where it's not as much of a shock. Do you think if they were to get a result on Saturday, it'd be the biggest shock or biggest result of the season so far? Or is it that overplayed? Might well be. I'm just trying to think if there's anything else that has been a bigger result. And I can't like there's the league has pretty much sorted itself out very, very quickly in terms of the top six and the, and the bottom six, with the exception of Lock Goal. So yeah, it probably would be. Yeah, probably would be the biggest shock. We dive into Friday night. We're doing it in reverse this week. Nuri host on Gannon and one of these bottom six throwdowns. I, I think it was like a Friday night where we had that weird game between these two where there was an argument over should they have hit the ball back did did was it Nuri who like passed it back and then they went on and scored or something like that I've probably completely butchered exactly what happened but I I, com- I completely forgot about that I think you're right I yes think it was a Friday night, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah so bad blood let's just say was a heated rivalry between these two teams regardless if that's actually true this will be a huge game down at the nearest showgrounds because this just sets things up. you got to believe the way Dungannon have been playing and, and they've got their win against Glenavon and they didn't lose against Glentor in a way that they should feel confident to come in. Ben Gallagher's this kind of new sensation they have up top. Thomas McGuire looks to have fitted himself in there and uh, even Devine can't get in, but maybe it's even Devine who scores off the bench to get this result this could be close but I'm feeling Dungan at the minute the hot hand I for the sake of my job and my office not being burnt to the ground I have to say a Nuri win <laughs> but um, do you know what it's going to be a game both teams that you know need a win um, in that one to basically stave off the old relegation flutters I think for Nuri it's probably more important they need to get that defence sorted out. Dungannon are doing okay at the minute, as you say. Riri, like Ben Gallagher, I think he's been, he's been the other day or the other week before we watched him at Glenavon or against Glenavon. He was really, really good. Yeah, they have a lot of options there. But I I'm gonna I'm just gonna say one nil Nuri. Nuri would keep a clean sheet at long last. I, I'm gonna flip, I'm gonna go one nil. Dungannon. Nuri need to step up here if they if they don't want to start being paired with Balamina and it's going to be a while until Balamina 
don't get maybe they'll I don't think they ever will not be talked about this season as in the relegation zone until they start they don't want to get paired with them and you know you need to step up they've done it once they did it against Glenavon need to do it a bit more and at home is the peak place to do it Carrick go to Lorne can they frustrate Lorne they did it on Boxing Day last year but that Carrick team feels a very different team than it does right now in September 2023 yeah look it's a derby isn't it so you never know uh, what way that'll pan out the Carrick have potential Carrick really do and if they can get their act together could get a result will it be in that particular game you know we've looked at how Lauren played the other day I just think they'll be too good uh, and I'll not be down to the fact that Carrick won't have given their best I just think Lauren will be too good for them and I'm going to say 3-1 Lauren I mean 3-1 Lauren I think I think by my fancy team backing a few Lauren strikers or Lauren forwards I think probably says that my heart and my brain says Lauren will will do well here and, and score past a somewhat leaky Carrick backline, although they've done a wee bit better to tighten things up in recent times. Do we have a name for this derby yet? Is there a silly thing, or can I officially christen it the East Coast Collision? Oh, that's a good one. I like that. What the, the, the I think it's the East Antrim Derby, is it? They, they always go on to ah uh, yeah East the East Antrim Collision. Yeah, I like that. East Coast, because remember they tried to the the, the the maybe called that council like. East Coast, as if it's like yeah, I don't know yeah. some sort of fancy. I oh, there it is. East Coast collision. Yeah, Carrick against Lauren. Who will win? Uh, we go up to the Oval Smackdown, <laughs> where Cool Rain come to town. Uh, uh, there was if you smell uh, it, Orange cooking. <laughs> look. Uh, let's uh, to keep the 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 the, re- the resting thread here we keep pulling at it uh i remember a game on a friday night around this time of year between glentoran and cole rain that uh that ended with a bit of feistiness uh, there was no selling that day um but it's a different time different team cole rain come on when are you going to give me that big performance this glentoran team are playing possum after that draw against dungannon look i, I felt like glentoran were coming in to Saturday on a low key, a really good run, and then they lay an egg against Dungannon. They don't have the ability to do this again with Lorne beating the big teams around them. They can't drop off, and that's why I'm saying this is going to be a score draw. 2 2, sir. I will agree with you on the score draw. I'm going to say one each. Yeah, both teams have got goals in them. So that's why I'm leaning towards a score draw. Um, they're both equally as good as each other. I think in my eyes at the minute, given as you mentioned earlier on, Glenthorne's defensive frailties. Corinne have looked good from what I've seen them. They looked looked very good against Derry last week. I'm delighted to see Big Mitch scoring goals again. I think you know he just. That's someone I did not factor at the start of the season. Him being a a significant part of that team, and especially with Shevlin being out for a while, he's been able to get a couple of goals. The problem is, is that they're letting them in at the back, and that's why I think it's gonna be two two because I think they'll let them in against a a Glen team that isn't always absolutely on on top gear. And Corey and have plenty of players who can attack a, a Glen Torrent backline that could be old bits of toys that they find you know from the training ground so we'll just have to see could be could be a thrilling game uh or it's going to be a a tight nil nil we'll have to see i'm hoping for goals and uh particularly um as i will probably back to my fantasy and put a few other players in for Corian. 
Sir, I really appreciate you jumping on again. You're never shy of all the big topics and the big opinions. Uh, once again, we'll have to be about something fun and joyous eventually. I know the season has been tough, but do you feel confident that it's all going to get turned around and you're going to be enjoying more happy days and sad days for your Mournview men? That will depend on who comes in as manager, I think. Um... If they get it right, yes. If they don't get it right, I think we could be in for. We could we could be entering into a, a spiral here where it could be a very dangerous move. Um. So, the board have big pressure on them to get this right. Um. Keep us basically in the division. I'm asking someone as if you are representative, but from what you're hearing, Adrian Tier. Agent Tier is going to step down at the end of the season. He's been in that role for a long time. Is there a clear succession plan, or is Glenavon very much entering a completely new, untrodden path before? Uh, there is no succession plan that I'm aware of. Um, in fact, I'm led to believe the communication coming out of the club over the last while has been shocking, to be quite honest. But I'm led to believe through fan rumours, through what people have heard from people on the board, that Adrian mightn't be the only one leaving the board this summer. So who takes over, I don't know. Personally speaking, at one stage last week, if you had, if I had been Adrian here, I would have walked away there and then just said, right, lads, this is your MS sorted out. But I don't know what's going to happen next. Uh, that's another big decision they're going to have to get right to. But, you know, we could see maybe the return of some former directors. We might see some investment come in. I'm hoping everything... Teas- teasing a return. I am. I- I'm not teasing a return. I- I- there's speculation again about who might come back. One former director who might come back. But um, we'll see. If that if that came off, I'd be very happy. But all up in the air. It's going it's it's go- it's go- it's to be a season of big change and a summer of big change as well. Um, on and off the park. It's going to be a lot to talk about. Um, you'll-, you'll have me on again before the end of the year. I can guarantee it. If, if I'm sitting here in the year 2024 and Gary Hamilton is the man that's being drafted in by the brand new board, that is a wrestling story time. Is that Gary Hamilton's music? Push. And, he comes, <laughs> and he comes with former best mates uh, around the corner. Amazing. Always delight to chat to you, uh, Mr. Scott. Uh, where can people find you and your other creative or work-related endeavours? Creative, indeed. Uh, you can find me uh, these days on... I'm the editor of the New Reporter and the Bamboo's Chronicle. I think the New Reporter's launched this new website very, very soon. It might actually be out by the time this podcast launches or comes out. Happy days. So keep an eye on that there. Um, and other than that, you'll follow me on Twitter at Michael Scott GFC. Amazing. A delight as always. Chat soon. Thanks. start this bit by telling you that you can follow this podcast on spotify good thing to do it means you get a little notification every time i upload the podcast it'll give you a wee reminder saying hey you haven't checked out that episode means you don't have to go check in and kind of you know doing the wee refresh going when's the podcast up you just can sit back relax and get a wee ping and go peter's done it he's got it sorted baby i'm sure there's one for apple podcasts but i'm i'm not a user i know a percentage of you are I'm sure there's a way to subscribe to that too. And if you do, you know, I love and respect you for doing that as well. You know, I love you all equally. Outside of that, you know, if you want to get involved with this podcast, as some people did this week, it was all through my social media channels, which are on Twitter, 
on Instagram. That's where people were chatting to me. It is kicking match on both people. Some people emailed me. You can do that kicking match at gmail.com. You want to take this hands free on your smart speaker, wherever that may be. It is say your smart speaker's name and say, please play kicking match and Irish league podcast. Say it all, say it proud, say it full and you'll get whatever episode you haven't listened to or your most recent one, whatever it is. Back to Porge, back to football, back to a fuller schedule across across Friday and Saturday. Once again, looking forward to it. Until next week, I will see you very, very soon. Cheers.